This is the future of finance by Motive Labs. Hello, and welcome again to the future of finance, the podcast where we live and breathe the next generation of financial technology. Back everyone. This is Peter Horowitz from Motive Labs. I'm here with Paul Anderson from CallSign. Hello, Paul. How are you? Very good. Thank you very much. It's good to be asked to talk to you today. Thank you. I had the pleasure of hearing your presentation this morning. Fantastic presentation about call sign, drilling into a very important area in financial services. Just to start, to give our, our listeners some context, can you share how you came to call sign and what business problem call sign is focused on at this time? So, yeah, I've been involved in the security industry, specifically in finance, for many years now. Too long for me to remember. But one of the things that I've seen happen is the shift from the traditional authentication methods that organizations use to access their services into new technologies, which are ultimately designed to give a much greater customer experience. And I recognize that CallSign is one of the companies which has really taken that to the next level, being able to create a customer journey which is unique for each individual and is no longer something that needs to be predefined or pre-configured by an organization, but I can adjust in real time so that customers will have that best experience based on where they're accessing the services from. Just to, again, expand... You're using information from the various devices that any customer might use, their location for the use of the device itself, the network it's on, their use of the device, the biometrics involved in the touching of the screen, or perhaps the use of a mouse to identify them, to set up a whole bunch of attributes and confirm that this is the person who was using it yesterday. Exactly. So we we analyze thousands of data points in real time. And from those data points, we can build up a profile for each individual. So we then learn that when a customer is accessing the service from their home network, they're connected to their home Wi-Fi, they're using the same device that they have always used, that we can give them a certain amount of trust. So there is no need to have them step up to the strong authentication every time. But when they step out, they maybe go to a cafe, they're on an unsecured network, we will then choose to enhance their security to protect them because they're now in a a location which has potentially other vulnerabilities. This also works for the employee as well. We can have your employees, when they're in the corporate network, they access services seamlessly, but when they step out, maybe working on the train, going home, that they've suddenly got a different authentication journey because we need to ensure that it is really them that's accessing that service. But again, once they get into their home, they're working from their home office, we can learn how they access the services from their home, and then we can then give them an experience as if they're in the actual corporate network. Wow, I didn't pick this up this morning, but if I'm hearing you correctly, you're modifying the security that each of the users, for example, an employee of the bank, is undertaking to protect the bank as they're changing location over over the course of a day. Exactly. Those real-time small changes that we pick up on that will adjust that. But the key thing for the organization is that they can choose a single authentication method, but it's only triggered for the customer 
when there is that anomaly. And not only that, but it may be that the organisation will say, well, actually between nine to five, we will allow you to access the service. That That's allowed because that's normal office working hours. But we can still override that when we pick up an, an unusual anomaly. And it may be, for example, you pick up a malware on your device. We do malware detection. That would be a red flag for us. And we would immediately override any other rules and say that we need to protect the user, we need to protect the organization, and we may block or prevent them from accessing that particular service. In real time, we're monitoring and adjusting based on all the different data points that we gather. As you were talking, I was thinking about the customer journey in the very, very beginning, the onboarding. I'm a bank, I'm onboarding a new customer. How do I use call sign to get to know that customer in the beginning to make sure that person is who they say they are? And then I begin to build the table of attributes that I'll use to confirm them in the future. That's brilliant because any security solution is only secure as that origination point. So we use a number of factors to gather that information at the beginning. Initially, we need to verify that the person is who they say they are at that point of time. And that could be quite difficult when you don't actually know them. You've not picked up a profile previously. But to do that, we use things like government-issued IDs. So as part of an onboarding process, and this can extend into a full electronic identification and verification or anti-money laundering checks, we can have someone scan in their passport or their driving license or their ID. We do document checking. We make sure that that's a real document, not a fake or a forgery. And we also make that it's still valid and not out of date. We can then possibly ask the user to take a selfie and we would compare that that selfie, or as we actually prefer to call it liveness check, and we prefer that liveness check with the image that we've captured from the passport, which is government issued. Those biometric checks, if they match, then we have a fairly good understanding that it is Paul that is accessing and registering for this service. That also, we can link that into the feeds from the databases from the third party to do address verification checks, to do, you know, checks on your credit history and so forth as well, if that's a requirement. But, you know, assuming everything's great, we've onboarded the customer. Whilst we're doing that, we're learning about the customer. Whilst we're doing that, we have profiled the mobile phone or the laptop or whatever they're using. We've fingerprinted that and registered that with the user. As they type, we're beginning to learn their behavioral patterns. And also we're beginning to learn about those locations. Absolutely. At the beginning of the journey, you might find that there is a number of insertions that we need to take till we really begin to understand that this is actually their normal home location or this is a normal work location. But over time, those quickly build up. And then as soon as we have that profile in place, the customer begins to get the benefits of the whole intelligence-driven authentication experience. Awesome. So continuing the customer journey, thank you for the explanation. I understand you've onboarded them. And you mentioned the word profile or maybe cohort. You have developed or will continue to develop an understanding of what the expected patterns from this client are and what happens if they change. Do you segment them at the beginning or do you segment them later in time? And how often do you change the segments based upon changes in their you know, behavior? Yeah. Well, the reality is that there might be multiple profiles for, for an individual. Now, these profiles are not able to identify them in any definitive way. It's actually just how they're interacting with the device. Now, it could be something as simple as that they're using uh, their left hand instead of the right hand when they're holding their phone. So we'd learn about different profiles in that sense. You know, I'm sometimes asked about what happens 
happens if I've maybe had a couple of beers? The reality is that that does change your profile. So maybe we have a Friday night profile where you've had a couple of beers after work in it and we pick up this a little bit different. Maybe it's a good thing that we actually block you when that happens. But the reality is that we can adjust and learn different profiles based on the different devices you use or the different way you use the devices, sitting at a desk, sitting on a train, we build that up. But also over time, if we've not seen a behavioral pattern being used, we might lower the confidence level on that. And the first time we see that being reused, we'll just do a, a verification to make sure that it is you. But then that sort of reactivated that profile again, and we can carry on from there. From the work that you do, you are probably intimately familiar with the different platforms, whether it's Android, iOS, and all the other choices. Is there one that's more secure and or one that better to use from the point of view of the consumer and two, one that's better from the point of view from the bank, from your ability to gather information and draw analysis from? It's a difficult question to answer because you get different analytics from different devices. The Windows platform or if you're coming in through the browser gives you very different information from iOS and Android and we get lots of different factors from them. And even breaking down Android, there are some handsets which have secure elements in embedded in them, which enables us to get much more accurate information than others. I guess the advice that I would always give in my personal opinion is that apps are generally more secure than the browser itself. And there's less opportunity to to breach a system through an app than it is through a browser. But the way our technology works is that we are looking for the anomalies on all the platforms. And we don't want to say that you must use iOS or you must install an app, we want to be able to give the choice back to the consumer and say whatever your preferred channel is, if if you don't like the small screen of a phone and prefer the laptop, allow you to use that and we'll protect you no matter which channel you're accessing from. And that even goes beyond the digital channels. If you're looking at the telephony channel or you're even looking at payments and making payments, we'll protect you when you're making your payments. We will learn when you're going abroad and you're using your phone abroad and you then want to make a payment abroad that we should allow that because we recognize that you've been in that location because you've already opened up the banking app. And if you've not opened the banking app, we can send you an alert and just say, we've just seen a payment come in from Spain. Have you gone on holiday to Spain? Yes, I have. And we can immediately activate the credit card for use in that country for the next week or or however long you define. Speaking to companies like CallSign is the best part of my job. I, I'm energized by your creativity and, and your attack at a business problem. So for the younger people in, in our audience, people who are either in university or just out of university or thinking about their careers, what advice do you have for them in order to channel their energy into, into places like fintech as you have? There's a lot of energy in fintechs. I've come from the traditional authentication players, and that's not to say that there's not some great work that goes on there, but certainly when you move to a fintech, everything is moving much faster, and that's fun because you get to use the new technology. And even you know, someone who's been in security for a long time, I'm learning new things. So you need to be prepared to learn because if you think that you've finished your learning when you leave university, that's certainly not going to be the case because especially in security, that's what I love about it is because there's always something new. 
the other great thing is I'm getting to use all these fun things that for me were futuristic. We use artificial intelligence with our machine learning. We've taken those those futuristic things that, that 10 years ago, you know, we were sort of laughing and joking about and we've got real life applications to use them today that really make a difference for people. And the important thing as well is the new generation need to start looking at this, not just from that security angle, but also from that whole experience. It's all about creating things that give a great experience, whether it's fun to use, whether it's easy to use. It's a very different mindset in today's security world. So from your presentation this morning, it's clear to me that you've gotten to a certain point where you're really growing quickly and, and there's a lot of traction in the marketplace, which again, congratulations to you for that. You're doing it based upon the features and functions and the and the content and value that you've delivered through the current version of CallSign. If you don't mind sharing, what's next? What, what is the next plateau that, or business problem or extension of this business problem that you plan on attacking? I guess what we're finding as we're evolving the solution is that there are more and more data feeds that we are defining ourselves, that we recognize that we need to start considering, or that you know organizations are coming to us and saying, can we plug in this data feed into the service? A big area we're looking at now is information from the mobile network operators, the information where we can ensure that the phone is in a location from where the person is saying that they are starting the journey process from, for example. So we can now get information to say, as they onboard from this location, are they connected to a cell phone point in that location? And we can. Also getting information around, you know, have they just recently changed their, their SIM card, the real-time SIM swap detection, real-time phone call forwardings as well. So if you do a callback, because sometimes, you know, you need to go back to the, the traditional methods. You know, you need to maybe use SMS or, or callbacks in certain scenarios. But we want to be able to add modern technology to secure those existing channels. And again, it's all about giving the consumer the choice. There will be consumers who will choose not to install an app or will not have the latest smartphone and maybe want to interact with their banks over that telephony channel. And we need to make sure that we can still add security to all those different levels. So certainly that's one big area is the amount of feeds that come in. But that's, you know, that's not a challenge because machine learning is moving forward now that we're still able to, in, again, in real time, analyze these quickly and define that journey quickly. The other thing we're seeing as well is on the front end, you know, going to the traditional authentication when we need to step up, when there is an anomaly, people are looking now to use the most innovative technologies. So voice, face, iris, these are becoming a reality now. These are no longer, again, like, like the, the machine learning and AI futuristic. These are things that are here today. And it's how can we use them in a passive way so that we can continue to verify a customer in real time as they're on the journey. So not just protecting them at the front door when they log into the service, but throughout the service, we continue to prove it's still them. So that if they were to put down their phone and someone else was to pick that up, they can't carry on with that, that journey because we now know it's someone else. So it's it's more about not just protecting the front door now as well, it is actually protecting the entire process from beginning to end. As you were just talking, you sparked an idea around the addition of augmented reality to many of these services. 
Well, I mean, just hypothetically, uh, and this will be, again, so I'm running out of time, my last question. If someone was, for example, a small or medium enterprise business was pointing their phone at a customer to see if they were creditworthy as a potential augmented reality app, right? So the bank, I'd look at your face yep. and your bank balance and your credit line would be appear along on my screen. Yep. Not yours, obviously, but, but mine. Is that another domain in which call sign would be there to authenticate this small and medium enterprise uh, owner? Certainly, that is something that call sign are really looking at. I and mean, we kind of call that the reusable profile. So if we have knowledge about a person, we have knowledge that they really are who they say they are, can we use them to verify them for another service? And that's very much a vision that call sign have is to be a, a provider of identity and a manager of the identity. The reality in today's world is that organizations especially banks, still like to have their own personal ownership are not necessarily willing to share that identity. But I think there's many initiatives that are changing that. And, you know, consent management and enabling customers to consent to share information with others could open that up. And, and consent can then lead to consent to share my identity. So if I've already proven who I am with my bank, that can then be used to authenticate and verify myself with other services, other systems and organizations. Awesome. Again, pleasure talking with you. I know based upon the exposure Motive Labs has had to you in the past, as well as the, the presentation today, that you're, you're bound for great success. And I look forward to watching all the success to come to you and your colleagues. Thank you so much for taking yeah. time. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for your time and insights. And thank you very much for tuning in. I'm Sam. See you next time. The information contained in this podcast is intended for discussion purposes only. It is not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation for the purchase or sale of a security or any services of motive partners. All investing involves risk, and there is no guarantee that past performance will be indicative of future results. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are as of the date of recording, reflect the views and opinions of the persons expressing them, and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of motive partners. Motive partners makes no representations or warranties as to the accuracy, reliability, or completeness of any information provided, and undertakes no obligation to update, amend, or clarify the information in the podcast, whether as a result of new information, future events, or otherwise. Any securities, transactions, or holdings discussed may not represent investments made by motive partners. It should not be assumed that securities, transactions, or holdings discussed, if any, were or will be profitable, or that the recommendations or decisions made in the future will be similar, or will equal the performance of the securities, transactions, or holdings discussed herein. This podcast may contain forward-looking statements that are based on beliefs, assumptions, current expectations, estimates, and predictions about the financial industry the economy, motive partners or motive partners investments. Nothing in the podcast should be construed or relied upon as investment, legal, accounting, tax or other professional advice or in connection with any offer or sale of securities.